0: I'm Judy Frazier, president and founder of We the Kids. We the Kids puts God back into America's history. Listening to We the Kids radio show will inspire you and your kids to have a positive American identity, clear direction, and a powerful purpose for your life. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome to We The Kids radio show for kids from eight to 108. I am Arch Hunter, a father, a husband, and an historian.
0: And I'm Lydia Nuttall, a mom and executive board member for We The Kids and author of Forgotten American Stories Celebrating America's Constitution. And in the show, we're gonna hear from the We The Kids Liberty Players.
1: The mission of We The Kids is to put God back into America's stories to help American kids be proud to be an American, to love and defend America's constitution and learn the principles of freedom that established unprecedented freedom in our country so that they can preserve freedom in America.
0: And that is so important. That's why we're doing this show. So we're glad you're listening.
1: Today's Forgotten American Story, Martha Washington at Valley Forge, and how our sacrifice and serving others a key to endurance? If you recall on previous shows, we learned about Chief... NASA You were telling our listeners about the Pilgrims and when the Pilgrims landed and the Mayflower Pilgrims when they arrived in Cape Cod and the winter of 1620. Remind our listeners about the chief and what he did to help the Puritan people.
0: So Chief His people were really worried when they saw the Mayflower pilgrims arriving because they didn't know what was their intent. Were the pilgrims there to capture them and sell them as slaves, like other Europeans who arrived on the Atlantic coast did? Were they there to bring diseases that had killed their people in the past? Did they come to make war? Or are they there to make peace? I mean, what are they here for? So it's amazing that Chief Massasoit and the Wampanoag had so many reasons to hate these newcomers based on past experiences with other newcomers or to retaliate or to just kill them all. But the cool thing about Chief Massasoit is instead he would send runners, I would like to think those runners were teenage boys that had lots of energy, to in essence spy on the Mayflower Pilgrims and then report to Chief Massasoit what they discovered or what they saw. And over the course of about three months, he not only recognized what their differences were between his people and the Mayflower Pilgrims, but also he discovered their similarities. He started realizing they have a lot of things in common. And so regardless of their differences, Chief Massasoit and the Wampanoag people and Governor Carver and the Mayflower Pilgrims chose to build on common ground and show kindness to each other. And as a result, both groups of people benefited. So how can that apply to us today,
1: Arch? Well, the ability and the characteristic of helping each other out and showing compassion for each other and seeing that we're all humans and we need to reach out to each other rather than divide ourselves and be separated. Yeah, it makes it
0: stronger if we build on what we share in common. Right. Uh, and I love how both groups of people did benefit. So Mayflower Pilgrims continue to make it through more and more winters of starvation and survive. They joined forces with the Wampanoag people to keep the other Indian tribes from wiping out the
1: Wampanoag people. So yeah, it worked. It worked out well. And the ability that we should have and the mental thinking of the commonality that we have with everyone.
0: Yeah, that's key. And Mm -hmm. it's definitely, they set the example for us in our day. There's so much that can divide us and Mm -hmm. does divide us, but it doesn't have to. If we focus on what we share in common, then we can still be united. We can still agree to disagree without being disagreeable.
1: Right, right. It's just so, so important. It's so yeah, important for us to understand.
0: It really is. So let's fast forward from the 1620s of the Mayflower Pilgrims to the Continental Army's experience during the Revolution that winter of 1777 at Valley Forge. And I'm excited because Arch gives tours there at Valley Forge and has a load of knowledge and wisdom and expertise that I would love to have him share with us what were the living conditions like for the soldiers that winter of 1777 at Valley Forge? Share with us what you know.
1: (laughs) In 20 minutes, Lydia? Okay, I can probably... Well,
0: actually less.
1: (laughs) Well, the winter encampment at Valley Forge was actually six months from December 19th of 1777 through June 19th of 1778. And more and more historians, Lydia, are now saying that there were three turning points of the Revolutionary War. And Valley Forge was one of them, even though there was no battle there during the winter encampment. So if you don't mind me backing into the winter encampment a little bit, which will, I think, tie into our next show.
0: Yes, absolutely. In
1: August of 1777, the British invaded New York City under General William Howe, who was the commanding officer of the British at the time. They invaded New York City, Lydia, with the largest amphibious armada in the history of the world.
0: Now amphibious, um, water, like a water, water like lots water. of
1: ships. ships okay. and water. And that was the largest amphibious landing until D-Day. Wow. Yeah, it's just amazing what the British were able to do to capture New York City and Manhattan.
2: They meant business.
1: <laughs> Washington had 23,000 men oh, wow. in the Army during the battles in and around New York City in August of 1777.
0: So you could say we were
1: just slightly outnumbered. <laughs> well, we were not only slightly outnumbered at that uh-huh. time, as far as manpower is concerned, but also weaponry yeah. and artillery and experience as soldiers. So Washington lost every battle trying to hold New York. Wow. And after that, it was about six weeks of a campaign and when Washington was finished the campaign, he had to escape New York so that he would not be captured. So he began the escape down through New Jersey that he had to get away from the British. And so by the time Washington crossed the Delaware River into Pennsylvania, he had lost 21,000 of the 23,000 men that he had oh four months before. To what? So, you know, but just be, because of desertion, killed, disease. Yeah, There's so many different reasons why people, his army got so small.
0: Well, I heard at one point that because the continental soldiers, the American soldiers, were suffering such extreme deprivations, like you mentioned, starvation, cold, disease, etc., lack of clothing, shoes, that there was a lot that actually joined the British army. So they could at least have the basics of food, clothing, and shelter, and then more than that, deserted and went just back home because Mm -hmm. why? I mean, and they weren't getting paid either, were they?
1: The Continental soldiers were not being paid, and so Lydia, actually, there was more colonists who joined the British army in uniforms and actually joined the Continental Army in the eight years of the war. Oh my goodness! So many different reasons, but. So when Washington gets across the Delaware in December, early December of 1776, which we'll pick up on another show about the Battle of Trenton and Princeton. But fast forward, now the whole next summer goes by, and now the British want to take Philadelphia. So General Howe comes up the Chesapeake Bay. He disembarks down by a place called Elkton, Maryland, and that is what we call the Philadelphia campaign. And Washington, Lydia, loses every battle of the Philadelphia campaign also. So that the- it
0: had been really demoralizing time for it not was- just him but his soldiers.
1: It was. It was. And so when Washington at the Battle of Brandywine Lydia, which is September eleventh, seventeen seventy seven, that is the largest battle in the American Revolution. I didn't know that. Battle of Brandywine, which is our original September 11th. So by December of 1777, the British now fully occupy Philadelphia. Washington must find winter encampment for his soldiers because they didn't fight in the winters back then. How come? uh, It's too cold. You can't move artillery around. It snows and then freezes. And it's very hard to move your artillery around on rutted, frozen roads. So, makes sense. pretty much during that time period, when winter set in, everybody went into winter encampment. Fortunately for the British, they were inside comfortable Philadelphia. Washington chooses Valley Forge, which is about 20 miles to the northwest of Philadelphia, as the winter encampment. And he gets his men there on December 19th. He has approximately 11,000 men when he gets there. Now, Lydia, these men now have been fighting since September. They've been marching, they've been fighting. Their clothes are now worn out. Yeah. They, they don't have any supplies because the quartermaster general had quit on them. So they had the clothes on their back when they got the Valley Forge. And during the Philadelphia campaign, Lydia, Washington's army marched well over 100 miles during six weeks of that campaign. Wow. wow. I mean, it's hard for us to walk a mile today. Yeah, <laughs> you're kidding. Okay. So 100. When they get the Valley Forge, which is a iron forge, a mill and farmland it's open land Washington tells the men to begin to set up camp they have no supplies it's December 19th winter is setting in and it becomes for a while a major disaster as far as endurance and sacrifice yeah for the Continental Army
0: I, um, I remember a quote that's been preserved that General Washington said to his officers and his soldiers during that time regarding having unity and persevering and enduring that's so applicable to us in our day. He said he admonished his officers and his soldiers to have, quote, one heart and one mind to resolve to surmount every difficulty with a fortitude and patience becoming their profession and the sacred cause in which they were engaged. I love that. So to surmount means to overcome every difficulty with a fortitude and patience, strength and patience, as you would expect a soldier, and the sacred cause in which they were engaged. I love how he says sacred cause.
1: Yes, yes.
0: So why did he believe it was a sacred cause?
1: Because Washington believed that we need to be a people of self-government. And he believed that we have a right as ordinary, everyday citizens of the colonies to govern ourselves, which Washington believed was the privilege that we have as human beings to govern ourselves either, he said, oftentimes through providence or the almighty. But Washington was convinced that we had that right to govern ourselves and we had the right to be able that we should fight for that.
0: I love that. And it makes a there's more of a depth than for his why and his soldiers why they were fighting. You have to have a good, deep, really in your core why in yes. order to go through something like what they did that was so tragic, so yes. extremely hard.
1: And Lydia, when we think about what the soldiers went through at Valley Forge as far as sacrifice and suffering and endurance, a lot of times we forget that. General Washington also demonstrated a tremendous amount of sacrifice and service and endurance because he served with no salary.
0: I know. Isn't that amazing? I love that. He, never, wasn't, he was doing it for all the right reasons, right. and money had nothing to do with it. It was the principle of the thing.
1: Lydia, he was the only officer in the Continental Army that never went home for a visit during the eight years.
0: Which leads me to the next question. Didn't his wife, Martha, come then and visit him at Valley
1: Forge? She did. And Lydia, we know that the Revolutionary War was eight years. Martha Washington came to every winter encampment. And so wow. from, the time, from the time she traveled to a winter encampment to the time she spent in the winter encampment to the time she spent getting back to Mount Vernon in the spring, that accumulated five years of the eight years of the Revolutionary War.
0: good heavens. She was so dedicated. So one of the things that I did learn about her is... For instance, when she came to Valley Forge, she was so distraught over seeing the condition of the soldiers there. Yes. Um, their clothing was just tatters, their shoes, socks, you know, everything. One of the quotes that I love that I witnessed to Martha Washington's service to these men while she was there at the encampment. From what I understand, she would get the other officers' wives to come join her there at Valley Forge. And I would assume wherever she was at during the other winters on the battlefield to try to procure whatever provisions they could, whatever food or materials to make socks and shirts, et cetera. And one of the eyewitnesses, I love this quote. It's by Benson well, it doesn't matter who who said it. It's just his observation of her. He said, "I never in my life knew a woman so busy from early morning until late at night as was Lady Washington, providing comforts for the sick soldiers every day, excepting Sunday, because that was their Sabbath. The wives of officers in camp and sometimes other women were invited to Mr. Potts, and that's where the Washingtons were staying." To assist Martha in knitting socks, patching garments, and making shirts for the poor soldiers when materials could be procured. Every fair day she might be seen with the most needy sufferer and giving all the comforts to them in her power. Wow. Instead of, you know, I would think, okay, so I was the wife of a military, you know, my husband used to be in the the army and was away during the Iraq conflict, and there were some wives that really struggled in their husband's absence, and I love the story of Martha. Instead of, I don't know, she could have just stayed at home in the comforts of her own plantation there in Virginia, enjoyed it instead, and she could have just pined away or whined, you know, my husband, he's been gone for years and years, and I have to do all this by myself, and, you know, complain about her hardships as a result of not having her husband there, but instead she goes to where he is and starts serving the soldiers that were in worship and needed her help and must have derived great joy and blessings for doing that. And that I'm sure helped her. I don't know. It's when you serve others, isn't it when you serve others that, that all of a sudden you realize, you know what, my problems aren't that bad. I'd rather have my problems than her problems or his problems. I don't know. Is that
1: your experience? It sure is. And when Martha got to Valley Forge, she immediately took over the cooking and feeding the general's personal staff on a daily basis, which we know how important that is. So if anybody ever goes to Valley Forge and they see Washington's headquarters and they go through that kitchen, that's Martha as she is preparing and overseeing making the food to feed the general's staff on a daily basis.
0: And that's no, I mean, I I have a hard time just feeding my own little family, let alone let alone a bajillion others of uh, you know what, my husband's staff, you know, General Washington's staff. Good grief, that's a lot of it's not just cooking, it's getting all the ingredients, it's cooking them, it's all the cleanup afterwards. And then to make shirts and socks and patching garments on top of all that. She was one
1: And and Lydia, she took all of the junior officers' wives, because a lot of the the officers' wives would come to the winter encampment. Martha being a little older than most of the other wives, she discipled all the other officers' wives and took them under her wing and helped teach them and guide them. And they used her an example of how they should be as a wife and an officer's wife and what they could do to help the Army in every winter encampment. So Martha wow. Washington was a phenomenal woman. And people don't realize, Lydia, that, you know, she had four children from her first marriage. Two of the children never made it past five years old. Yeah. But so when Martha comes to every winter encampment, she is leaving two other children at Mount Vernon of her four to come to the winter encampments to be with her husband to help out as much as she could through every winter encampment.
0: I wondered about that. I was wondering, well, were her children already older and you know, could take care of themselves, or were they little? So they were y- young enough that they needed someone else's care. They still needed their mom, but she even had to arrange for child care, long-term child care, and miss her kids. It was either miss her husband and be home, or be with your husband, you know, General Washington, and miss her kids. Boy, mm-hmm. she, she, she got it both ways.
1: Well, the two young before the age of five, Patsy, her daughter yeah patsy her daughter had epilepsy and she literally they were having dinner one night and she had an epileptic fit and she fell down off her chair dead oh dear and then her other son jackie contracted a disease at yorktown and died so lydia martha washington outlived her all kids, four kids wow. and, her, and her two husbands oh
0: my goodness and That's so lydia, amazing she's so, a
1: rock he was she was an absolute rock and the general said the rest of his life that Martha Washington and marrying her was the best thing that ever happened. Oh, I
0: love that. Yeah. That's so tender. Yeah. Well She definitely was an amazing example of how making personal sacrifices and serving others helped her endure those terrible circumstances of having to have her husband gone for eight years and yeah. being away from her own family, her own kids. So I guess that's an example for us then, huh? When we're going through hardships that sacrifice and service serving others can help us endure
1: and for us to see how many people have endured and sacrificed so much so that we can have the privileges of what we have as our country. And hopefully Lydia, that'll motivate all of us to continue to sacrifice, not for ourselves, but for our future yeah, for our future probably. generations. And one last thing, may I say about Martha? Yeah. Martha Washington was fairly wealthy woman before she married the general. Lydia, she donated $20,000 of her personal money to help the cause of the American Revolution. And that's in that time's money. I have, wow. I have no idea how much money that would be worth today, but it would be in the millions.
0: Good grief. Uh, she so is she, amazing. You know,
1: she sacrificed her time and her effort and her talents, but also, you know, financially, she sacrificed to help win the American Revolution.
0: Yeah, she sacrificed her own personal finances. Yeah. My goodness. So this leads us to what kind of American people do we want to be when we face hardships? And how are we going to serve others and make personal sacrifices for liberty that will help us endure hardships now in our future? That's a question we get to ask ourselves.
1: Yes, because we're not, Lydia, we're not only living for today, but we want to live for tomorrow. Yeah, and We need true. an example as our founders and Martha Washington and the general, and so many of them were, they were examples for us as far as endurance and sacrificing so that we could have what we have.
0: Well, we thank them. We 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 follow them this Christmas season, this
1: this winter season. So we'd like to invite everyone from eight to 108 to ponder this question for this week. What kind of American do we want to be when we face hardships? How will we choose to serve others and make personal sacrifices for liberty that will help us endure hardships now and for our future?
0: Gather together as a family and listen to the We the Kids radio show, and then discuss the stories and principles you learn. Strong families build strong communities, strong communities will strengthen our states, and strong states united together will make a stronger America. This is how you can make a difference. So thank you so much for supporting We the Kids. And now let's see what the We the Kids Liberty players are up to.
3: After a long and busy week, the Johnson family is driving down the highway towards their grandparents' home in the country for a week-long vacation, and they had begun to talk about their week. Let's drop in on their conversation.
4: Finally, a vacation.
3: Yes, thank
2: you everybody for helping Dad and I get us all ready for leaving for Grandma and Grandpa's house. By the way, Sammy, did you ever find your little sister's missing shoe? Yes, Mom, I found it. Oh, where? I spent half an hour this morning looking for it. I found it in the dog food bin when I was feeding Gus. Oh, you're kidding. I would have never thought to look in there. I'm so glad you found it. Did you put it in her little travel bag? Yes, I did. Oh, good. Thank you, and what about the extra diapers and wipes? Yes, I got those too. Great, thank you, Sammy. That would not have been good to have forgotten those. The nearest store from your grandma and grandpa's is so far away.
3: Mom, dad, why do we have to go to grandma and grandpa's house for the entire vacation? I can understand a few days or even one day or even two, but a whole week? I just want to spend some of my vacation with my friends. Grandma and grandpa don't even have Wi-Fi. Not this again. Oh, be quiet. You don't even have friends. All you do is read books. Mom!
4: Okay, kids, settle down.
2: Cole, as we discussed before, Dad losing his job has been hard on all of us. We've all been kind of down and felt anxiety to some degree or other as a result. My parents are getting older, and it's getting harder for them to do some of the things on the farm that need to be done, like fixing the fence around the pasture and repairing the wood chip. Oh, and painting the south side of the barn. So Dad and I thought it would be good for all of us to help Grandma and Grandpa with what they need while you kids have vacation from school.
4: Yes, it will be good for all of us to get away and get our minds off our own problems and focus on helping Grandma and Grandpa this week.
3: I like going to Grandma and Grandpa's. It's so pretty there. I do, too. I like the treehouse.
4: Yes, I like it, too. I can't believe that the treehouse is still in such good shape after all these years. You know, your Grandpa and I built that treehouse together.
3: I think it's so cool how you built the ladder that I can pull up or let down when I'm in the treehouse. I can make it so no girls are allowed if I want. Mom, Carson. I'm just
4: teasing. Okay, kids, we have a long drive ahead of us. Let's talk about how serving others helps us endure times that are hard for us. Like how Martha Washington left her home when General Washington was away for eight years serving in the Revolutionary War that Mr. Arch and Miss Lydia talked about.
2: Dad and I would like you all to quietly think about someone you know who has experienced a hardship in their life and who has endured that hardship through helping or serving others, okay?
4: I'll give you a personal example. So I lost my job two weeks ago, right? First, I admit I was worried. I mean, Mom and I have saved some money. Thank heavens. And so we have enough to pay our bills and to feed you guys for a little while, but what happens after that? What happens if I still can't find a way to earn money by then? I started feeling major stress and anxiety and finding it hard to even get up in the morning and look for other employment opportunities out there. A few days ago, I was able to go out and shovel the driveway for some of our friends who didn't have snow shovels. They were so grateful because they weren't used to the snow and their health didn't allow them to do that. I know that by helping them, it made me think about someone else and forget about my own troubles for a while.
3: I didn't know you did that, honey. That's wonderful. Oh, I just thought of someone who's experiencing something hard until he serves others. You did? Okay, tell us more. I thought of my friend's dad because he's just lost his job and now he's helping people with getting groceries while they can't go out. That's a great example of someone who's endured hardship by helping others. I thought of Grandma. She is always serving Grandpa who has dementia and diabetes. He is unable to care for himself. She is also serving others. She said that it is sometimes hard, but as she serves others, she forgets her own problem. It has taught her patience and love to serve others.
4: Thanks for sharing those two true examples of how others have endured their hardships through serving others, Carson and Sammy. What about you, Hannah and Cole?
2: I thought of someone we all know who has endured her hardships through helping others. Who? Grandma, because she broke her ankle last month, but she could still bake cookies to donate to the church fundraiser.
3: That's true. It is hard for me to even tell that Grandma has hardship in her life because she's always happy in serving others.
2: Good observation, Cole. My mother was a great example to me of how to keep a positive attitude through whatever hardships she had to endure throughout her life. Always finding someone to help was what she did to endure, just like
3: Martha Washington. Who did you think of, Cole? I thought of Nick's grandma. Even though she is dealing with cancer and chemotherapy, she is still thinking of helping others. She mails a note to Nick and his sister every couple of weeks, showing interest in their latest happening and letting them know she is checking on them. She also makes regular phone calls to several sick and elderly people in her church to check on them. When Nick was with her at Thanksgiving, she helped him sew a stuffed animal.
4: I think you're right, Cole. And I think when I help Grandma and Grandpa, I'm going to feel more optimistic as I search for new job opportunities. Mom and I are proud of you, kids, for thinking of all those great examples of people you know who have endured their own struggles and challenges through finding others to help. Now, who wants some snacks?
3: We do! And so we see that all of us, from 8 to 108, can endure our hardships through helping others in need, as the Johnson family discovered together. And just like Martha Washington did at Valley Forge in the winter of 1777 by serving the freezing, sick, and starving soldiers who fought for and won our nation's liberty like Mr. Hunter and Miss Lydia talked about earlier. From us to you, we wish you all a very blessed Christmas season. Thank you for joining us on We the Kids Radio
1: Show. We want to invite everyone from 8 to 108 to listen and please join us on We The Kids radio show and to hear more forgotten stories. Learn the principles of freedom that established unprecedented freedom in America so that we can all, whether we're 8 or 108, preserve our freedom.